Hello there, and welcome back to our Breaking Bad podcast with your two hosts. One man who can definitely spell the word street, it's my good friend Bread Roll. So that leaves me, a man who's never been jacked by a man called Spooge, it's JT. <laughs> One of the only words I can spell, but yeah, you're right, I can just about string it together if I put my mind to it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So we're back on the weekly. Um, hopefully we can continue this. We're continuing our look at Breaking Bad Season 2. We're now up to Episode 6. This one's called Peekaboo. Directed by Peter Midak, uh, written by Jay Roberts and the man himself, Vince Gilligan. I think this is the first episode we've seen him write for a few weeks now. It's a 47-minute episode, aired on the 12th of April 2009 in the US to 1.41 million viewers. So again, we're around that sort of same area. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Fairly consistent. And um, as we said before, it will remain that way and it does go up. I did actually read something, jumping ahead a little bit, that was quite interesting. Um the the highest well, obviously we mentioned last week about um that, that it got renewed for season three because the viewership had come up um, which was good for the show itself but it had its highest figures at the end the second part of the final season and a lot of that is attributed because around this time I think it's after this season or around season three it got went on to Netflix and everyone was catching up with it and they reckon because it was on Netflix everyone binged it and suddenly got into it. That's why the the tail end of the final season had such big numbers because people finally watched it and were like, shit, this show's actually really good. So the highest numbers when the final season aired were a testament to the fact that Netflix had the uh, the rest of the show for people to catch up on. Oh, interesting. I did wonder when it went on to Netflix. I didn't know if it was after it had finished airing in the US, but I guess that was over quite a few years. So, yeah, I mean... As much as I don't like Netflix, I do have it. I do watch it a lot. I don't like some of their principles, but I guess they get the viewers in, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, I'm the same. I used to love Netflix. When it first started, it had some brilliant stuff, and it's just gone really shit over the last few years. Um, The overall quality of the shows is really wank, in my opinion, but they do have some good old stuff on there. So I don't pay for it. Rachel pays for it, but we would get rid of it. If she said, right, I'm not paying for it, I wouldn't pay for it myself. But it does have a good back catalogue of some older stuff that I like to revisit. Uh, this one being one of them, for that matter. Yeah, they do pick up the odd new thing here and there. But let's not go into the trials and tribulations of Netflix. We'll be here all bloody night. <laughs> um, just a little disclaimer before we continue. I have knackered my ear roll, my left ear. I was telling Bread Roll before we started recording. Um, so I'm completely deaf in it. So apologies if I shout or something random happens. It's probably because... Uh, I can't hear anything. So just a little disclaimer there. A um, couple of little tidbits from the Breaking Bad wiki here, Bread Roll. Um, Aaron Paul actually got nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a drama series for this particular episode in the 2009 Emmys. And I have to say, he's very good in this one. I mean, he's always good, but he stands out particularly in this one. He is good in this one. And this episode's strange in a way because I was watching it and my notes aren't obviously just about a page worth, I suppose you could call it that. But um. Not a lot happens in this episode, but at the same time, a fair bit happens. But most of it, I'd say a good 70% of the episode is just him in the house with the two skagheads and the little ginger nut running around. Um, but yeah, he is pretty good in this. He's kind of front and centre in this episode and Walt kind of takes a back seat, although we do see a few glimpses of him. Um, but yeah, I do like um, Aaron Paul's performance in this episode. And he actually said that the house they shot in the um the the crackhead house was actually worse in real life because it belonged to one of those kind of like hoarder style people and they had like fifteen cats and it had shit all over the place and <laughs> it looks so grubby and realistically shit because that's pretty much what it was. In fact, they actually cleaned it up so they could shoot safely in the thing, but it's actually a real kind of shit hole house that they went into. 
Oh, right. I mean, it does look real. So I guess it was real. So, yeah, fair play to that one. Another little thing here. Um, on the uncensored version, Walt turns around to Gretchen and says, fuck you, which is on the version I watched on uh, Netflix earlier. So I'm assuming that wasn't in the original AMC airing of it. It wasn't. I've actually got that as my next um, point here. And the reason being is um, a lot of uh, cable shows, especially in America, they really aren't happy about the word fuck being used and on certain ones. And this is running on AMC. And they're one of them that are like that. Funnily enough, Sons of Anarchy is the same. I know you haven't watched it. It's one of my favourite shows. But Harley Davidson actually turned around and said, you can't use strong language. There's no fuck or anything. And all these like badass bikers, they say Jesus Christ like it's going out of fashion. And they say shit. But they're never allowed to say fuck in the show. And this show negotiated that they're allowed to say fuck once per season. Um, but it had to be muted um, or done kind of like distortedly when, on, when it aired. And it was only able to be presented as the actual fuck word that you could hear clearly when it went to um, like sort of streaming and um, did, uh, release on like Blu-ray and DVD. So on the TV version, it would have either been muted or cut out completely. Very interesting, Bread Roll. I mean, I've never watched Sons of Anarchy, but that must be strange with no swearing. I mean, I've always thought in Breaking Bad, obviously there is the Ed, odd Ed, odd F-bomb here, as one in this episode, but there's not a lot of swearing considering what's going on, is there? It's not, and it's weird because like Sons, like I say, it's got soft swearing in it and like lots of blasphemy, but the content of the show is fucking violent and really dark, and the fact that they can't say fuck just makes it quite funny, but Similar to Breaking Bad, it's got such dark content to it. And it's almost a testament to the acting and everything. It's like you don't need all the swearing and anything because some shows go a bit over the top um, with all the swearing. They do it just for the sake of it. I'm against swearing. I'm not a prude. I swear a lot. <laughs> Anyone who listens to our show knows how much we just fucking swear in general. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. I think it's just the quality of the writing and the show. You don't really notice it because you're too engrossed in the performance. Um, but yeah, there's probably a few shows out there that are like it. But yeah, these, these two particularly, Sons of Anarchy and Breaking Bad, definitely hit that mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely do swear a lot. I was about to say that. Um, and apologies if you don't like swearing. You probably won't be listening to us. But we're not going to stop because we are allowed to swear. There's a couple of words we don't say. But anyway, should we have a look at this episode, Bread Rock? Let's do it. Okay, as always, before we start, a big shout out to Mr. Dan Parkinson for the opening theme tune. Check out his podcast, which was noticeably absent last week, uh, called Stage Fright. Um, no, it was it was on last week. It was a week before there wasn't one, but there definitely is one this week because he's already put it on Instagram. Um, yeah, Stage Fright is called, and his website is danparkinsonmusic.com. So there's one uh, line synopsis from this one is Walt returns to work. Skinny Pete gets ripped off. And when Jesse steps in, he gets a lot more than he bargained for. So that basically sums it up. And this episode actually opens with a proper opening, doesn't it? We, there's no bear again. Um, it's uh, Jesse and Skinny Pete talking and Skinny Pete gives them the um, or gives Jesse the address. Yeah, I've got that here. It's almost like a real-time opening, for lack of a better term, like sort of in the moment of the episode. Um, no bear, no fucking starting at the end or starting at the next season or starting on fucking EastEnders or something like that. He actually just went for a straight start to finish fucking episode, which has got to be, I don't know, one of the only times I can remember this happening so far. Um, but yeah, and then you've got like Skinny Pete. He doesn't know if he's written down an S or a 5. I think we've all been there probably if we've hastily scribbled something down. Um, yeah, and Jesse's obviously going to uh, step up to the plate, as we know, the last episode closed with Walt handing in the pistol and being like, you know, take care of it. And Jesse just looking <laughs> like he, you know, fired and shit himself at the same time. So here he is, ready to take care of business. 
Yes, I mean, Skinny Pete's not the most coherent person at the best of times, is he? I wouldn't trust him to uh, to get an address down. And um, he also squashes that beetle that Jesse sort of picks up and fondly handles. So, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of creepy crawlies. I definitely don't like spiders. Not a big fan of beetles, but Jesse seems to like it. And Skinny Pete just walks up and squashes the poor thing, which um, apparently alludes to, obviously, what happens a little bit later on to Mr. Spooge himself. And could also have something to do with Hank and the cockroach thing we saw last week. I was thinking, was it a reference to the older cockroachy thing going on there? And um, the fact that obviously Jesse does care about the people below him, whereas obviously some people maybe don't. They don't see obviously what he sees, maybe um, sees like the value in people. But yeah, it's a bit harsh. I mean, I'm sure that bugged enough into uh, to deserve it or anything like that. But that skinny Pete for you is a crackhead. What do you expect? I mean, the bug's ugly, but it's not his fault. Uh, anyway, we do now get a, a cut to Jesse, and he, he is smoking in his car. So we sort of questioned, is he still, well, I certainly have, is he still smoking? It turns out he is. He obviously needs a bit of a Dutch courage, and we all have our own ways of getting it. Um, and then he gets out the gun, which is in the glove box, and walks up to the house, and then we get the titles rolled. So as we said, a proper opening. Yeah, it is. And um, it's pretty strange. Like, after, the, obviously, the credits, the whole wang sort of thing with the music. That's not what it sounds like, but there you go. <laughs> you do a great impression every week, Bredwell. I don't think we need Dan anymore. We'll just get you to do it. Well, I said, well, speaking of Dan, just going off tangent here, he did a cover of Prince recently, and he wasn't wearing purple, so he's gone down in my quality, because how the fuck do you do a cover of Prince and not wear purple? I told him as much on the YouTube comment as well. So he let oh, me down you? on that one. <laughs> It takes him about a year to answer any of the comments on there. Um, but um, great cover if anyone's uh, not heard it, which I'm sure most of you haven't. Go and check it out. It's very good. Yeah, but it's not as good as my cover of Breaking Bad. So it's coming to your live <laughs> next week. <laughs> but anyway. Stay tuned. <laughs> there we go. Reasons to tune in next week. There you go. Um, yeah, but Jesse goes up and he's like the least fucking inconspicuous burglar or whatever the fuck he's supposed to be. He goes up to this porch with his gun and he's just stood there with everyone, you know, not that magically, like always in this, these things, it's a big open front house and no one's around to be seen. And he stood there like cycling himself up to go in. And the fucking postwoman just turns up and is like, sweetie, you're in the way of the post box. And he steps out the way, she posts the letters and just fucks off again. Like, okay, you're clearly keeping an eye on things. <laughs> That's kind of this episode's comedy scene, isn't it? There's always one little sort of bit that makes you chuckle and it's just out the way Jesse's there, he's fucking sweating, he's twitching and she doesn't bat an eyelid. She's just like, get out of the way of the mailbox. And he's like, oh, it's like 70 degrees out here or something. And, and, and you say he's still wearing his fucking get up though. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I did. I wasn't going to comment on it this week. I was going to try and hold back. But now that you've mentioned it, you're absolutely right. He says it's like high 70s and he's dressed up like he's going to fucking help Kurt Russell fight the thing or something. There was a little long. <laughs> and then after all that, he's banging the door and everything and asking him to come out and trying to be all hard. That They're not in. So he just smashes the window and lets himself in. And as you said at the start, the place is a total fucking shithole. Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. And again, he's trying to be inconspicuous and he sort of goes in. Then he like pulls the curtains and all the um, the fucking neck curtains off and leaves the window wide open. It's like, you're really shit at this. I suppose that's the whole point. Obviously, Jesse doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. Does he? He's probably like watched a few episodes of Miami Vice and he's trying to remember what happened. Um, it's about as best as he gets. But he, he searches the house while well, he checks like two rooms and just fucking sits down on the sofa and starts chilling out. And then his little kid turns up. It's one really weird bit here. It's obviously shown in searching the house, as you say. I think he checks a drawer in another room. But he randomly just picks up this bottle with a bit of, I don't know what it is, a bottle of beer or some kind of alcohol, and he just sniffs it. I'm like, well, you weren't going to drink that, so why are you sniffing it? It's a bit random. 
Yeah, it is. I suppose it's just one of those random kind of like you say, doing something to act. And I wonder if that was a prop they put in there, whether it's left over from whoever owned the house. I mean, I dread to think what's actually in that fucking thing. Good job he doesn't drink it. He'd probably kill him. No, um, it's quite nasty, isn't it? I mean, the poor kid as well. Obviously, you're made to feel sorry for him, and rightly so. He's been dealt a real shit hand here, but he comes out. He just fucking puts the TV on and just starts watching it. Doesn't seem phased by Jesse in the house at all. I guess he's seen a fair bit in his short life already. Yeah, I mean, the kid looks completely kind of like, I don't know, aware of the fairies, but then considering where he lives and the fact that the only channel he's got is the fucking shopping channel, I'd be going a bit fucking spaced out as well if that was me. Do you know what, right? That's my next note, and I started typing it, and I left it in because obviously we find out that's the only channel that works, so that's the reason why he's watching it, but... I've noticed in a lot of these series and movies as well, they do tend to sit there and just watch shopping channels. Is that what they do in America? Surely there's better TV than that. Maybe they have to pay royalties for it. Because I suppose if they're showing like an actual show or something on the TV, Uh I mean, usually they probably use something from the same network, I guess. But I guess the shopping channel is such a fucking, I don't know if anyone even owns a shopping channel. I think it's just been going and no one really has any understanding of who presents it. It's just there, isn't it? It's one of those things in life. There's always a shopping channel. So it's probably like a royalty-free thing that you can get on in the background if you film on a show. Good shout. I mean, you could just get someone to act it out quickly. You wouldn't even need to use an actual show, would you? I mean, there's still quite a few. I never watch them, but I flick through Sky, and there's fucking loads of them over here. I mean, I'm assuming people do watch them, but... I know my dad watches buy stuff from him as well sometimes. Um, I mean, they do get the odd bargain here and there, but yeah, my old man's quite fond of the shopping channel. He's retired. He's got nothing better to do than to sit there and watch shit. It's all his fault, then, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. He's promoting. He's the only person in England who buys from him, and that's enough percentage to keep it going. <laughs> then it cuts to um, the the uh, White household, and Marie's leaving bloody messages again. We don't actually see her in this episode, but we do hear her voice. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no Hank, no Marie in this one, and then we get um, old Gretchen. She um leaves a message as well, doesn't she? And Skylar sort of she's um calls her back. And speaks to and I didn't realise I, I I didn't know how much or how little these two were kind of on speaking terms, but obviously I know they know each other and stuff. But um mm. yeah, she calls them back and Gretchen's out kind of in a sort of um a bad situation this one because Skylar calls her up and she's like saying, Oh, we're meaning to call you and say how grateful I am and all this sort of shit and you can kind of see on Gretchen's face she's like, uh, I don't really know what to say and I couldn't remember if she, yeah. how she kind of got out of this. It's quite even though this doesn't cover much of the episode, this situation between Skylar, Gretchen and Walt. It's enough, and it's a pretty good kind of like weaving thread throughout this episode just to sort of break up the stuff that's happening with Jesse. Yeah, it certainly is. And one thing I've just thought there, um, I've got it in my note, obviously, that Gretchen calls. Does, does no one in the, in the uh, White House I'd ever answer the phone? Do they just ignore it, <laughs> let people leave messages? I mean, Walt runs and answers it sometimes when it's Jesse, coincidentally, um, but no one else seems to answer the phone, do they? They don't, although I must admit that um, in this day and age, if any if a number calls me and I don't know what it is, I'm like a grown-up, I don't answer it, I wait until it's finished and I Google it to see where it's come from. Most of the time it's some fucking stupid little scamming twat or like a known fucking, you know, just dickhead or something like that or cold calling stuff, so I just block the number. But if it's a number that I don't recognise, I'm not expecting a call, I never answer it. No, I've had two such calls in the last couple of hours, Red Roll, just before I finished work and just before we started recording. I've ignored them. Same number both times. Um, I think if it's important, they'll leave me a voicemail, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's my, that's my opinion as well. But I'm, I like to just sort of find out and then I can block them just to save them up. They keep ringing me. <laughs> that is true. So it cuts now to Walt and he's back at school. As um, Marie had sort of phoned, I think, to wish him a happy return to work, although I don't think he even heard her. 
And um, these class just seem as excited as ever, don't they? I mean, they all look so fucking bored. Is is walk that boring? So it's weird, isn't it? Because when I'm watching this, like, it might just be because I'm older and I appreciate my stuff more, but he's teaching, like, proper chemistry and stuff, and we got fuck all in our science lessons at school. Like, yeah. we got to play with a fucking Bunsen burner, which we always got bollocked for, because he used to just sit there burning all the flints. And that's about it. Like, science classes were shit. If we are being taught, like, really interesting stuff like this, I probably would have paid attention. But like I said, they all just sat there bored fucking shitless and everything. And I do like, again, it's that kind of almost foreshadowing in a way. Like, Walt's discussing, he's talking about this guy called H. Tracy Hall, who um, invented, like, it's a carbon, isn't it? And how he can make, like, um, falsified diamonds and that he invented this. He got given, like, a £10 savings bond. But the person he used his, um, his invention went on to be a millionaire and you can kind of hear the hatred in his voice and just the way he's kind of losing the trail of his thought and looking a bit aggressive. And he's thinking of himself, isn't he, with grey matter and that. And he's like, fuck, that should be my fortune. That should be mine kind of like riches and bits and pieces. Exactly my next point. And obviously that plays into what happens a bit later on in the episode. So a little bit of foreshadowing there for the end of the episode. Um, Then the principal comes up to him and she's like, uh, Carmen, her name is. Very young for a principal, I thought, but... He says to him about, you know, if you've got any issues or anything, come and talk to me. And Walt seems a bit perturbed by that. He seems a bit worried, doesn't he, that she's asking him to come and talk to, to her? Yeah, it was a weird thing. So I was trying to gauge, like, like you say, he, he takes it a bit wrong. And it's like, mm. I don't know if it's because he just doesn't like people interfering in his business because he likes to obviously take care of his own business, as we know, and everything. But it's almost like she was trying to be, I don't know, I want to say she's being flirtatious, but she's being like very friendly with him wasn't she like saying she's quite young and i suppose like attractive for a principal and i don't know maybe that was the thing that was maybe putting um walt off we couldn't gauge it but yeah it was just a bit of a strange scene i didn't quite know how to read it no i was just a bit and i'm thinking does this play a little bit later because i'm sure we we see carmen a few times now so maybe it comes back into play a bit later we'll have to keep an eye on that one it cuts to quite a funny little scene here where walt's taking flynn home and they go out to the car and the missing posters that Flynn had done for Walt, they've sort of changed all the word, and haven't they, to say that I'm missing my pants and my butt was on show or something. And Walt straight away takes it and won't show Flynn. I don't know if that's because he doesn't want to piss him off or whether he's just completely embarrassed by it or maybe a mixture of the two. Yeah, because Flynn's like saying, oh, let me see it, let me see it. And he's like, um, I don't know if he kind of shows him at the end, but then they're sort of, they're driving away. And Walt's kind of, it's kind of a shadow of what he's going to become. He's kind of joking. He's like, you know what we should do? We should find whoever did that. We should like go in there, you know, knock down their door, drive them out to the desert, strip them naked and bury them, put them, you know, in like a mound of like fire ants or something. So I saw it in a Western once. Then Flynn's like, oh yeah, we should put scorpions on them instead. Um, and it's like, it's quite a sort of sinister thing. You know, he's just kind of joking with Flynn, but it's like, well, you're not going to, you're going to do stuff that's actually pretty close to that in a few um, sort of seasons time. Yeah, it, I quite like the way that's done because, again, it's foreshadowing, but we know what will be coming, although he's nowhere near how he turns out. But, yeah, I like that sort of little scene there. It does um, cut back to uh, Jesse now, and he, he's playing peekaboo with the kid, and he, he has made him some food. I use the term loosely because he's basically got him a bread roll, uh, not yourself. <laughs> uh, but that's probably all they had in the house that was even remotely uh, worth eating. And then the two methods, they do come home, um, and apparently, according to the uh, the Breaking Bad wiki, there we never find out the woman's name ever, uh, or the kid. We just know Spooge's name, and they are referenced later on, but we never find out their names. 
I've got, I was going to mention that myself. Yeah, because you've got Spooch, who's played by a guy called David Hurry, and then Skank herself, who's played by Dale uh, Dickey. I haven't got a kid's name um, in front of me, that actor. But um, yeah, it's strange. She's never actually referred to as anything. He just keeps calling her Skank. And I think that's just kind of what she's kind of billed as, really, as a reference. But um, yeah, no name at all. I don't think he probably knows her name himself, his tits most of the time. I mean, fair play to probably. both actors. They they play them very well, don't they? They do, yeah. And, you know, it's quite sort of believable, especially given the setting there and everything. Um, it's not. It's very rare that you see Jesse and he actually looks like the fucking smartest guy in the room, but he certainly is in this situation. And you say there, like, he kind of loosely feeds the kid. It's fucking grim. It looks like someone's just literally spunked in two bits of bread and put it on a plate, and it's that fucking god-awful marshmallow stuff which is only something that could have been invented in america a fucking marshmallow spread i've tried it <laughs> once before it's fucking disgusting but he's literally i'm surprised he even had that in the house to be honest you know the bread roll wasn't moldy and they had a tub of fucking marshmallow but um yeah it's not exactly going to fill you up is it no it's probably the best thing the kids had to eat for a long time though um so then mm. jesse bless him he does put the kid in his room and sort of tells him not to come out and he gets the gun out and he clocks old Spooge over the head, and old Skank's head is going, wah, 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 making weird noises. It's not really screaming. I'm not really sure what noise it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I'm not sure. But it's one of those things, like, when you see actors like this, or these sort of scenes, it's like, how much of a script do they have? It's like, did Vince Gilligan just say, you know what, here's a bit of dialogue, and just be obnoxious as you can with it, and go for it. And that's usually when you get the best scenes with these sort of things. So maybe they were just fucking going for it and see what they came up with. Yeah, I think something like that, there has to kind of be a little bit of improv in it, doesn't there? It, it would be a natural reaction of what the fuck's going on. I mean, she doesn't know what's going on anyway, neither of them do. But um, yeah, I, I guess there is definitely, you know, a loose script, but it's sort of be yourself kind of thing as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it must be. And um, you get the fucking typical drug thing. He's like, turn out your pockets and stuff, and they've got nothing. And to be fair, Jesse is a bit smart here, because one of the guys, Spooge, pulls out like a pocket knife. So Jesse kind of like puts it in his own pocket, obviously making sure it's not left out to be used against him. Then he's like, all right, pull it out of your butts now. And then they both just reach down their pants and pull out like, got like a condom up each of their asses with fucking dope or whatever. And I'm like, fuck's sake, this is disgusting. And Jesse just fucking picks it up. So I won't pick that up. It's bad. It's been up someone's fucking a-hole, let alone these fucking crackheads. I did think exactly the same thing when he picks it up. He doesn't even bat an eyelid, does he, when he when he does it? And there's hardly anything in there. So you reckon they've... Uh smoked the rest or lost some of it she's lost some of it hasn't she yeah so she claims and everything but i don't think we ever find out the truth of that do we i don't think we do and sort of in between these scenes of uh jesse and the, the crackheads we get old walt he's come home now with flynn and they see uh, gretchen's car in the driveway um walt i don't think clocks whose it is at first until he sees the number plate but flynn's all impressing you whose car's this and everything and I'm thinking, did Walt know straight away or did he not clock until he sees the number plate? Was he thinking that maybe Skyler's even having an affair or something? I'm not sure because he takes his time with it, doesn't he? Because, um, mm. like I say, Flynn loves a flash motor and everything. And he even gets one later on. Um, but, yeah, Walt takes a few minutes to kind of look, doesn't it? It's like he's trying to figure it out. And then, like I say, he stops and looks at the number plate. Maybe that's when the, the penny drops and stuff. But um, he sort of goes into the house and Gretchen's there chatting to Skyler and everything. And... She kind of plays along with him. It's quite a good scene, actually, because he obviously doesn't know if Skylar's found out the truth or anything, but she's, um, when Flynn's like, oh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for everything you've done to my dad, she just kind of says, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. It's all good. And you can kind of see, like, things going through Walt's mind, like, oh, fuck, you know, what's going on here? My life's about to kind of, like, crumble before me. Yeah, it's good. It's good from all of them, isn't it? And then she 
quickly makes her excuses. She's got to leave. She wants to beat the traffic, and off she goes. And at first, Walk's just going to let her walk out, and then he goes, "Oh, I better just go and walk her to the car." And he sort of tries to talk her around a bit, and she just drives off. She just throws it back in his face, doesn't she? And just says bye. Just drives off. Yeah, but randomly later on, um, I assume it's the same day. It must be. Um, they do end up in a restaurant together and have a little chat, which obviously we'll get to that in a minute. But now we're kind of cutting back to um, old Jesse, aren't we? And he's like still doing his thing with the crackheads, and then he sort of reveals that he's got an ATM machine out in the fucking the backyard, hasn't he? Full of cash, and he's like making out like he's done this like five times. It's a victimless crime and everything, and it's quite stylishly shot because as he's saying, "Oh yeah, it's a victimless crime." It cuts to the the place where um. Obviously, he robbed it from, and you see like the guy behind the counter. He's been sort of fucking blown away, and there's chaos all over the place, and police taking pictures. You know, obviously bringing into that point again that there is no such thing as a victimless crime, really. Exactly. Yeah, I do like that little scene. Like you say, it's like a little cutaway scene as the the voiceover is going on. Um, and apparently, the guy who we see who has been blown away is the same guy who helped Walt and Jesse with the RV in the Cats in the Bag episode when they broke down. Oh, fair. I thought he looked familiar. I couldn't remember if he was the guy. Um, I thought he was going to be like the janitor or something. Uh, I can't remember his name. Was it Huey or oh, something yeah. like that? Who yeah, helped yeah. Walt? Um, because he got. I know he got arrested by Hank, and I thought oh, maybe he's not allowed in the school anymore. Maybe that's just his job, and it's a reference back. But good shout. Um, I, he did look familiar. Obviously, just got the character wrong. Yeah, again, Breaking Bad wiki to thank for that. Not my good self. <laughs> but Jesse's properly kicking off, isn't he, to them about how they're treating the kid and. And too fucking right as well. I mean, that poor kid, I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but he's certainly not very old, is he? No, he's not. And um, Aaron Paul did say, like, he enjoyed this this sort of sequence because it showed that Jesse does have a good heart, even though, like, he knows that what he's doing is bad and he's chosen to do it and everything. He's, like, aware of all that sort of stuff. He is, you know, he's sort of, like, one sort of line is, like, don't treat kids badly and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, something much worse happens to a kid on... Um, towards the end of the whole fucking thing that kind of really sets him off. Um, but yeah, he is actually a decent guy like underneath all that shit, even though he's like his own worst enemy. Cause he's always smoking shit. He's always like doing fucking stupid things, but I think really he's not an evil person. Certainly not as evil as Walt. <laughs> no, definitely not. And that's kind of one of my sort of wrap up notes of this episode. We do see Jesse does have a night, a good heart really but yeah he's just a fucking idiot with it isn't he but we'll we'll get to that as we wrap the episode up I'm sure but it now cuts to that scene you just mentioned briefly a minute ago where Walt's in the restaurant with Gretchen and I don't really know how they got there because we don't see them arrange anything I don't really know what happened there yeah yeah it is a strange one because like I say she just kind of like drove off and you know Walt's obviously still under the cosh with Skylar although I will say I was thinking throughout this episode and it comes to light a lot more right at the end or towards the end but Skylar and Flynn or Walt Jr whatever you want to call him seem to be like back on good terms with Walt suddenly in this episode I thought they don't seem to be like at odds with each other as much um but yeah somehow he's just obviously gone off wandering I assume he told Skylar he was going out somewhere and they're in this restaurant talking and Walt's just being like really evil to her and he's like proper turning on her and saying no it's um you know, you've bought me out of my company and all that sort of stuff. You fucked me over and that. It doesn't literally say fuck them, but he does say fuck you later and that. And she's like, you've involved me in your lie and I don't want to be a part of it because you're lying to your family and you dragged me into it. And she's obviously upset about that, as you would be. And he just automatically takes, like, offence to it. You know, in Walt's eyes, he he's not doing wrong, is he? And he's almost taken offence to the fact that he's been called out on his own lie. So he just creates more of them, basically. 
It's really strange, though, this scene. I mean, it's good and it's quite important, but she's really pissed off of him, as you said there, and starts having a go at him. But she's like, we offered you the cash and everything, and the offer still stands, and then carries on down a go at him. I'm like, if you're that pissed off of him, why are you still offering him the money? Yeah, I mean, she does give herself a way out of it um, later on, as um, we know, but it is a bit strange, isn't it? I'm really pissed off of you. I can't believe you've done this. You're not the man I used to know, but I'll still give you, you know, however much money you need to get better. I suppose it just shows that she is, deep down, actually quite a nice person. Yeah, I mean, I guess she's properly pissed off him, but she doesn't want to see him die or suffer when she could help him, because that just wouldn't be very nice, would it? Yeah, um, yeah, that would be fucking harsh, wouldn't it? Because there is still that kind of um, almost that awkward chemistry with them, obviously, because they used to be a couple, and that when she's at the house, you know, a couple of scenes back, when he first comes in and they sort of hug and everything, it's almost like she went, she went to kiss him at one point, but... Yeah, I guess um, it's just that old feeling type thing. And it is a good chemistry between the two actors, like most of this show. But it is just like you say, it's just a really weird scene. And it feels a bit shoehorned into the episode. Like just suddenly they're in this restaurant. They do this scene. We sort of start to see a glimpse of the real Walter White and how vicious he can be. Then it just sort of, he goes home again. And Scarlet doesn't really seem to bat an eyelid. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, it's something that needed to happen, but it does happen in a, Quite strange way. Um, cuts back now to Jesse. He's uh, still with the kid, and the kid's now playing peekaboo with him, isn't he? So he obviously enjoys Jesse's company. I guess he just enjoys getting a bit of attention because I'm sure the two smackers don't give him any. Well, we know they don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you got old fucking Cletus there trying to open the fucking ATM with sledgehammer. Um, and then old fucking fag Ash Lil comes up behind Jesse and clocks him. I don't know if she hits him with probably that fucking bottle of piss or whatever and um, takes his gun off him while he's rolling around on the floor. Yeah, I mean, it is some kind of bottle she smacks him with, I think. And poor old uh, Jesse's out cold again. I mean, we say it every week. He gets fucking beaten up, and this is another time. It is. You wouldn't want to do, like, a fucking drinking game with this, would you? Like, every time, like, fucking, I don't know, Walt's in his underwear, or every time fucking Skylar's in a bad mood, and every time Jesse gets beaten up or knocked out, you have to take a shot. You'd be fucked by the end of the first season. <laughs> well, you, you might want to do it. You might not. It depends how much you enjoy being fucked. But, yeah, you certainly would get there, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Yes, we're, now, um, we're now cut back to uh, to the White household and something I picked up on that you said last week that I hadn't really noticed before, it opens with a, a scene where Walt's taking a bottle from, or beer bottle from the fridge, but we see it from the inside view of the fridge, don't we? And you said, obviously, Vince Gilligan likes those kind of angles for shots. He does. I swear he must slip it into every episode because I know it's quite common. I don't know what it was about the last week's one. I think it was just because it was a bit more obvious being in the toilet and that it made sort of penny drop and clocked it. Um, but yeah, I, I reckon there'll be a shot like that in every episode near enough. I'm going to definitely look out for them. So I certainly noticed that. I've got it here in my notes. and I thought I definitely need to remember to, to mention that because I'd never really picked up on it until you said it. I think it was in last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of other really weird ones. It's definitely loads when they're in the lab in that as well. There's all these kind of like, I don't know what, it's probably like a technical word for it, like in the, the industry, it's probably like called like an immersive shot or something like that. But yeah, he definitely loves them. And Skylar sort of t- comes into the kitchen. This is where I really started to notice. It's like, she doesn't seem to be like mad or pissed off of him or anything like that. But um, they sit on the sofa and he, she's like, oh, I got a call from Gretchen. We need to talk. And Walt's like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. I'm going to, all this sort of stuff. And then um, Scarlett just says that Gretchen called and says, oh, I, we can't um, fund Walt's treatment anymore. I'm sorry. Um, and then she just hung up randomly. And Walt just automatically right away comes up with this lie. It's like, oh, well, I think their company's in trouble and they're losing all their money and everything. And straight away, he's covering up a lie. 
that he's just vaguely sort of skin of his teeth gotten away with, with another lie straight away. And Scarlett does actually go along with it, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, he thinks thinks of that pretty quickly. He says, oh, yeah, I, I, I drove to Santa Fe, I think it is. Um, and uh, Elliot Gretchen was there. We don't actually see Elliot in this episode. We hear him a couple of times. We don't actually, well, hear his name. We don't actually hear him himself. And we don't see him. And he's like, yeah. Um, and they, they told me that, that you know, um, the company's broke. And she just couldn't bring herself to tell you that the business is going down and, and all that. And, yeah, Skyler totally seems to buy it. And for the first time in a while... He's got her on his side, hasn't he? Because she's been completely against him the last few weeks. And even as he's telling the lie, you get a really good view. And I really picked up on this. I don't know if you did. It's just he turns and he gives her a really devious look. She doesn't notice because she's not looking at him. And you just see a side-on view. And he's got this really fucking devious look in his eye. And I really did pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really subtle. But like you say, when you notice it, you think, man, that's brilliant acting by Cranston because it's almost like this little power trip that he's on. Whenever he gets away with something, he kind of he's happy, and then he wants to do something else and something else. We've seen that kind of like he gets the rush out of it, doesn't he? Like being able to kind of manipulate people, which obviously leads into where he ends up going. But it is a really good scene, and even she says, "Well, if they got no money, why is she still driving like a fucking Bentley or whatever it is she's got?" And then Walsh is like, "Oh, I suppose they just want to keep up appearances," and she's like, "Yeah, I guess." And then they sort of cuddle up on the sofa, and they're sort of back in but it's really clever because it's kind of like well Gretchen inadvertently obviously she's Walt's old love has inadvertently now healed the wounds at least for now from what I can see between Walt and Skylar because they seem to be back on the same page based off of this because now she's obviously Walt's kind of like under the thing of like well now I'm just like genuinely going to be like oh I'll pay for it or we'll think of something so they've healed the rift that was between Skylar and Walt even though, like, she could have easily just kind of, like, you know, thrown a fucking monkey in the wrench, really, and sort of like, told him the truth, and be like, Walt's been paying for it, he's been doing something dodgy, and set Skylar off on one. Yeah, absolutely. I think this happens a few times where someone else inadvertently helps them out, um, and obviously they're completely oblivious to what they're doing, and Walt kind of gets away with it. But, yeah, there's that whole look of relief on his face. And as you said there about the continuous lying like, you know, he, he spins one line, he's ahead, but then he has to spin another one. It's almost like gambling, isn't it? Where you just don't know where to stop. You just, oh, I've just won a tenner. I'll stick that straight back on. I've just won 20 quid. I'll keep going until I lose it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just, you know, he's just patching one line. And I'd like to say, as soon as there seems to be a leak, he'll stick like a little band aid on it for now, just to hold it in place so he can think of something better. But I mean, they do build up, don't they? I mean, he concocts all this fucking weird shit as it goes along. But, um, <laughs> It does start to crumble eventually, his little house of cards, but he does it so quickly, like, thinks on his feet with it. It's like, fuck, now you're born to be a liar, mate. You should have been a politician. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cranston for president, although I'd like to say Cranston's <laughs> probably not like this in real life. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, he does, yeah, to be fair. White for president. White House, you know, white man in the White House. Here we go, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the last sort of scene here cuts back to old uh, Spooge in the Skank's house, and he's drilling the fucking ATM from underneath, and this is obviously going to fucking end in tears, and shock horror, it really does. Jesse wakes up, but he's still a bit out of it, like he would be after being smacked in the head of a bottle. And old fucking Spooge here, all he's doing is just calling Skank a skank, just constantly. And quite rightly so. I mean, not being horrible, she's a skank, but there's only so much of it you can take. And it's just the way she just goes, I ain't no skank. And she sort of kisses her finger and just props the ATM machine right onto his head and it squishes it. It's quite gnarly. 
It is gnarly, but it's one of those fucking deaths that's kind of funny at the same time. Yeah. It's just so sudden and just you suddenly just like you blink and you're like, what is that just fucking happen? That just fucking squashed his head sort of thing. And you're just kind of like, ah, was not expecting that to happen. <laughs> no, fucking Jesse wasn't either. His face is absolute. What the fuck? And he just walked up to Spood, who's squished on the floor and just takes the meth out of his pocket. That was all she's thinking of. Yeah, and then she gets a hit and lays down on the sofa. And Jesse's just kind of sat there. He's kind of looking at Spooge, looking at Skank, and he's just like, what the fuck's just happened? And he sort of like just doesn't quite know what to do with himself. And again, it's brilliant acting by Aaron Paul. It is. I do like the way like after all Spooge is done, where he's been whacking it with a fucking sledgehammer and drilling it and doing whatever else he's done, Jesse just goes to wipe some fingerprints off it and all the cash pisses out of it. I was thinking that like early in the episode when he was first doing his breaking, it's like you're breaking in and doing all this shit, waving guns around, and you haven't got any gloves or anything on. But yeah, like you say, he's kind of like loosely rubbing fingerprints off everywhere, like the sort of um, sleeve of his hoodie and that. But like you say, he kind of just touches it, and then all the fucking money comes out. So he's actually quits in in this particular case. But he's running around the kitchen trying to remember everything he touches. But then he rings the police, and he does it with his fingers. He doesn't cover it up on the phone or wipe his fingerprints off again. So it's like, you've just wiped fingerprints off, and now you're leaving more of them, you fucking idiot. He's done a pretty poor effort of just wiping the stuff off. I mean, he's obviously trying to get out there as quick as possible. But, I mean, again, we, we've said at the start of the episode, we'll say it in every episode, he's not the brightest button, bless him. He's doing the best he can, I suppose. But he doesn't do a great job. But, I mean... I don't know, how far would the police investigate this? I guess there's a kid involved, so they would, but you just think on the face of it, it's too fucking smackheads. It's been a tragic accident, wouldn't you, I suppose? Well, yeah, and plus, they've obviously, they've been investigating the scene of the crime where the ATM was robbed for. They got them for murder. They probably don't give a shit. Yeah. They turn up and be like, right, this is an easy bit of paperwork, isn't it, right? Crackhead kills crackhead boyfriend, falls asleep, we arrest him, job done. Put it in the fucking book sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously... To end the episode, uh, Jesse gets the, the kid out of the room. And he does say, cover your eyes as he walks through the house. He doesn't want him to see, obviously, Spooge with his head all smashed over the floor. And his mum led, well, I'm sure he's seen his mum led fucking out of her tit, off her tits constantly. But, and to be fair, he's, he's nice to the kid. He's like, just fucking close your eyes, get out of here. And he puts him on the doorstep and he just says, have a nice life, kid, doesn't he? Or words to that effect. And you hear the sirens in the background and the episode ends. Yeah, it does. And, like I said, it's a strange episode because not a lot really happens in terms of like the scale of like or the scope of some of the episodes previously, but a lot kind of happens in the two kind of contained sections we mm. see. Like obviously Walt's obviously weaving his fucking thread of lies again. Um so sort of developing quite a lot, even in a few short scenes. And obviously this is one where we really get to see kind of like a bit more of like what Jesse really is, like sort of the measure of the man almost, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as we said there, and I've got it in my sort of wrap-up here, we do see Jesse is really a good guy who's getting mixed up in something he really can't control. And obviously it gets worse and worse for him as, as we get further into it. But he has got a good heart. He just is an idiot. As <laughs> simple as that. He is. And I think that's the reason I didn't like Jesse. Or still don't. Like, I'm not like a massive fan of him. I'm watching it in a bit more detail now. I'm kind of appreciating his character a bit more and I've always enjoyed Aaron Paul's performance I always thought he played him really well but yeah I can definitely see the thing that always used to piss me off it's like he's always just going back to the fucking drugs and doing shit and moping around and it just used to piss me off because he has loads of times to walk away or escape or do something and he doesn't because he always just goes back to the fucking drugs and ends up being a bell end again but he does have a pretty shitty time of it by the time it all wraps up yeah I mean sometimes you probably can't blame him I'm not condoning drug use here but you know <laughs> 
we all have our own way of dealing with uh, things when they're going badly. Um, as we said, though, no Hank in this episode. After last week's episode, he was quite heavily involved. He started obviously having his issues and things, and we don't see that again this week. I'm sure he's going to be back next week. I can't remember what happens, but I'm sure we'll see him again. We get a brief comeback from Gretchen, which was actually quite pivotal, although we don't see Elliot. And again, as we said, Walt seems to have Sky back on side, although I'm sure it won't be for long. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything's always a bit up and down with them, isn't it? But um, yeah, not a bad episode overall. And this whole series, um, series two, season two, if you prefer, if you're stateside, um, is really good. And it is definitely picking up a lot of momentum and traction. Um, almost like someone's hit the fast forward button almost in terms of like the pacing of the episodes compared to series one. Um, so yeah, looking forward to the next few episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're halfway through now, aren't we, pretty much? Yeah. Uh, it's certainly going to start picking up even more as we as we go along. Yeah, so there we are. That is our look at uh, Peekaboo. Uh, let us know what you think of this particular episode, if you're a fan or if you've got any uh, particularly highlighted bits that you're a fan of, and um, what you think of the show Breaking Bad in general. And, of course, give us any knowledge you have of the behind-the-scenes stuff, because we always like to shout it out if possible in the episodes. Get in touch with us at the usual places, at the hyperbaric goats on x or hyperbaric underscore goats on uh instagram i think we've got one follower and it's jt so share it with your friends <laughs> i think we might have four or five bread oh come on don't do us too much injustice <laughs> oh fair you've been making fake accounts again oh, i've told you to stop that <laughs> yeah busted mate busted <laughs> i'm not a good liar like walter unfortunately oh well i mean he's, he's the king isn't he? i don't think anyone can reach that pinnacle but um <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. But as always, thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Skank, 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 skank ass. Skank, skank. <laughs>